<clears throat> and um, so, again, if you're interested in that, just uh, please show up. Uh, what else? Just don't forget Wednesday, uh, 7 o'clock from 7 to 8, we have men's and women's Bible study, youth, and also children's ministry. And um, don't forget, oh, by the way, the Spanish service was amazing. They had about 63 total in the youth room, and it was awesome. Yeah. And so, praise God, they're, they're excited, and we're just excited to see what God's going to do there. Can I get an amen? All right. If you don't have an outline, please raise your hands nice and high. Nurses will bring one to you. I don't know where everyone else, where's everyone this morning? Gosh, oh, man, I tell you, wow. Anyone else in the outline? Well, you're here, so that's all that matters, right? And God's here, right? So, yeah, so I appreciate you guys being out here anyways, that's Always an encouragement to me. All right, so anything else? We're good? Are we good, son? Yeah? All right. So let's go ahead and just pray this. We're going to dive into God's Word as we begin a new series today. Okay, so let's say, yeah, let's pray. Okay, well, Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come together and, Lord, to draw close to you and to love one another and, Lord, to feel your love on us and that we can love you back. Uh, through worship, through song, and Lord, and I pray that this morning that you would speak to our hearts today as we start this new series, Lord, that your blessings would be upon it. I'll bless each individual here this morning, and Father, Lord, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself, that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. For we pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said... Amen. Turn to the book of Proverbs, if you have your Bible or Bible app, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 is today's text. Today we're going to begin a new series that I'm calling Wisdom That Works. Everyone say that, Wisdom That Works, from this this book, the book of Proverbs, and today is part one of this series. It's going to be a long but exciting series. Now, Now, before we even dive into the text I want to give you an introduction to this book. There's going to be a lot of information here, so please stay with me. First of all, it was written around 971 to 686 B.C., and it was written by Solomon, say Solomon, along with two others, Agur and Lemuel, although many scholars believe that Lemuel is another name for Solomon. So Solomon wrote and compiled most of this book, early in his reign, and it was written before his heart was drawn away from God. So let's go ahead and let's read verse 1 right now, because it's obviously, it obviously states who the author is. It says, the Proverbs of who? Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon wrote three poetic books, three poetic, bo- poetic excuse me, books, the book of Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. And he was the third king of Israel. Saul was the first one, David the second, and Solomon the third. And he, Solomon, was also the wisest, a wisest man in the Bible. And I want you to write these down, okay? In, in 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings 3, uh, verses 5 through 15, I'm going to read it to you. There God told Solomon that he would grant him anything he asked for, and Solomon asked for what? We know this, right? Wisdom, which pleased the heart of God, and it pleased God so much that he blessed Solomon more than what he asked for. I'm going to read the, the verses to you of 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 15. It says, So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or, or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering 
justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never, be, there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings." So Solomon was rich. He was a rich man and an honorable man and also the wisest man in the Bible. Write this down, 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 through 34. Again, 1 Kings 4, verses 29 through 34. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom, say wisdom, and, and very great insight and the breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all men of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan and Ezrahite, Ethan the Ezraite, wiser than Heman and Kalkol and Darda, the sons of Mahol. And his fame, his fame, excuse me, fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered a thousand and five. He wrote a thousand and five songs. I've only written 300 songs. I can't imagine writing a thousand and five songs. He described plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also taught about animals and birds, reptiles, and fish. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. You guys got it? So he asked God for wisdom. The book of Proverbs, listen now, is known as wisdom literature or poetry or a poetic book. There are a total of five of these books. You have Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. The word proverb, say proverb, in Latin, the word for proverb is proverbium. Say that. Proverbium. Uh, pro means for, instead of, or in behalf of. Verbium means word or words. For, instead of, on behalf of. Verbium, word or words. So proverbium means instead of words. Now I want you to follow me here. A proverb is a few words instead of a lot of words. If you got it, say got it. We would call it a saying, right? A saying. It's a short saying based on long experience. The Hebrew word for proverb is mashal. Say that. Mashal, which means to represent or to be like. It, it can also mean comparison. Say comparison. Uh, make it a comparison to convey a specific truth in a pointed way or a short, concise, compact saying that expresses a truth. You guys with me? Now, you will notice as we go through this book, this series, you will notice that the Proverbs are set up in couplets. Couplets. I want you to follow me here. First of all, you have contrast couplets. Say that. Contrast couplets. These are contrasting thoughts that have been linked together with the word but. Say but. An example of this is chapter 10, verse 7. Chapter 10, verse 7, where it says, the memory of of the righteous is blessed, but, there it is, the name of the wicked will rot. So you have contrast couplets. You also have comparative couplets. Say that. Compa comparative, excuse me, couplets. This shows two choices with one being better than the 
than the other. And the key word that link them are better than like or the word so. An example of this is in chapter 28, verse 6. Chapter 28, verse 6, where it says better, there's a word, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than, there it is, than one, uh, one, uh, one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. So you have contrast couplets, comparative couplets, and you have complete couplets. Say that. Complete couplets. And here, the second thought completes the first thought. And what it does, it expounds on it. Uh, the key words used here are and and so. An example of this is in chapter 4, verse 10. It says, hear my son, chapter 4, verse 10, hear my son and receive my saints and, there it is, and the years of your life will be many. So you have contrast couplets, comparative couplets, and complete couplets, okay? If you, if you missed it, get online and watch it on YouTube, okay? <laughs> All right, got it? Say, say wisdom. In the Hebrew, the word wisdom is chokmah. Say that. Chokmah. Say that again. Which means a skill in an art or a trade. In the Old Testament, chokmah is used of a skill of, of the craftsmen or a sailor or singers or administrators or counselors. These individuals being experienced in their areas of expertise were considered to be skillful, skilled. They were therefore considered to be wise, say wise. So in this context, stay with me now, in this context, it means the skill to live right. Got it? Wisdom is the skill to live right. Say that. To live well, living skillfully. Being wise means being skilled, love this now, being skilled in godly living. Got it? Being skilled in godly living. This book gives practical, say that, say that, suggestions for effective living. If I could give a one-liner for this book, it would be this. It would be nuggets of wisdom for dealing with everyday life. Nuggets of wisdom for dealing with everyday life. Now listen, friends, this book is not just good advice. It's God's advice. This book, this whole book, is inspired by who? God. I also want to say this, and, and I want you to, to stay with me here now. The book of Proverbs has no gray areas. There are no gray areas in the book of Proverbs. They are black and white. And what they do, they show good and evil, and they force you, me, us, they force us to pass judgment upon ourselves. This is an amazing book. Also, I want to say this. And please don't forget this. Proverbs is not a book of promises. It's not. It's a book of principles. Got it? It's also, it's not a book of laws. It's a book of lessons. I'm going to say it again. Proverbs is not a book of promises. It's a book of principles. It's not a book of laws. Rather, it's a book of, of lessons. Say lessons. Key verse, verse 7. And we're going to look at that. Later on in the text here, verse 7, and what this verse does, and I love this, this verse unlocks the power and the purpose of this amazing book. Got it? The theme of the book, obviously, is wisdom. Say wisdom. 125 times the word wise or wisdom is mentioned. Why? Because, listen now, friends, because 
The aim of this book is about getting and acquiring and applying wisdom, God's wisdom, say God's wisdom, so you could be a wise individual, applying God's wisdom to the decisions and activities of our daily lives. Got it? So let me show you now the outline, or we can even call it the division of the book. Stay with me now. Chapters 1 through 9, chapters 1 through 9 are principles from Solomon. These are principles from Solomon. Say, from Solomon. It's to the young. In fact, it's to his own son. He says, my son, 10 times in those chapters. So chapters 1 through 9 are principles from Solomon. Chapters 10 through 24 are Proverbs of Solomon. Proverbs of Solomon. And in, this, in, excuse me, in those chapters, he compares the righteous person with the unrighteous person, with the wicked person. Chapters 25 through 29 are precepts by Solomon. Precepts by Solomon. A precept is a prescribed rule of conduct. That's what a precept is, a prescribed rule of conduct. And they are by Solomon, verses, uh, chapters 25 through 29, but they are, they are not compiled by Solomon. In fact, chapter 25, verse 1, chapter 25, verse 1 says, they are compiled by the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So chapters 1 through 9 are principles from Solomon. Chapters 10 through 24 are Proverbs of Solomon. Chapters 25 to 29 are precepts by Solomon. And chapters 30 to 31 are Proverbs by Agur and Lemuel. Got it? Agur and Lemuel. There are 31 chapters in this book. Now, why do I mention this? I'll tell you why. Because the longest months in our calendar is what? 31 days. I think you have six months, right? They have 31 days, I believe. Well, guess what? We're in a month right now where you have 31 days. So I would encourage you, listen now, encourage you to read a chapter a day. Now, obviously, we're, today's the 15th. Start in chapter 15 today, okay? All right, got it? And that's the beauty of this. You can read a chapter a day for 31 days. And I would encourage you to make it a practice to read it one chapter a day. And this is what, I, this is what I'm doing. I'm reading one chapter a day, three times a day. I read in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, one chapter a day. So my mind's refreshed, right? I know what I'm reading and trying to understand most of it that I'm reading. Got it? If you got it, say got it. This now brings us to our text. The title of my message is The Beginning of Wisdom. Everyone say that. The Beginning of Wisdom. And by the way, let me say this. Today's text is an entire introduction of the book of Proverbs. These first seven verses is an entire introduction to the book of Proverbs. If you got it, say got it. Three points, everybody say yes. Number one is the purpose. Write that down, say that. The purpose, the purpose, verses one through six. Let's look at that, verses one through six. Why, why, why the purpose? Because this is Solomon's purpose statement. Got it? His purpose statement. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Verse two, for attaining what? Come on, it's right there, wisdom. For attaining wisdom. I want to stop there. The reader is instructed to use Proverbs, listen now, to discern and identify wise instruction. Got it? Listen, we, we live in a day and age where technology gives us information and knowledge at our fingertips. 
You just Google something and there it is, right? It's all there. There it is. Unfortunately, with the increase of technology and the increase of information and knowledge, there's not the same increase in wisdom. Are you guys with me? So it would be very helpful to distinguish the difference between knowledge and wisdom. One may have knowledge without wisdom. Follow me. Knowledge is the collection of facts, of things. Wisdom is the right use of that. Got it? The right use of what we know for daily living. Knowledge can tell, listen now, knowledge can tell one how financially systems work. Wisdom manages a budget properly. Got it? Having a bachelor's degree or a master's or a doctorate or having a high IQ does not make a person wise. Are you guys with me? You can have all the knowledge in the world, but no wisdom. Listen now, listen. Learning is not the same as living. Follow me. Wisdom is putting knowledge, what you know, into practice. That's what it is. It's putting what you know into practice, knowing what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Having knowledge, this now, is important, but having wisdom is all important. You guys with me? So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Information without application is a hallucination. Got it? Information without application is hallucination. It doesn't make any difference that you know all this stuff. If you don't put it into practice, it means nothing. Hallucination. Are you guys with me? Wisdom is putting knowledge, what you know, what you know, into practice, doing something with it. Got it? Now listen, church, listen. Wisdom is something very simple that affects every single area of our lives. And I want to tell you, it's not something theoretical. It's very practical. And it has to do with everyday practical aspects of life. And what it does, it gives order and purpose to life. It gives discernment in making decisions. And it provides a sense of fulfillment, say fulfillment in life for the glory of God. The bottom line is this. Wisdom is a key ingredient or the key ingredient for Godly living. I want you to write this down, Ephesians chapter 5, 15. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It says, be very, excuse me, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as what? Wise. Be wise. If you're safe, say amen. God desires for us, for those of us who say that we're saved, desires for us to live life anchored, anchored in his wisdom. What we need is we need vertical wisdom for horizontal living. Listen, there are a lot of people, and I know some, who are filled with knowledge. Man, they got a lot of knowledge. They know a lot of stuff, but have no idea how to handle life. Yeah? Now, let me ask you this. What's the book before this book, the book of Proverbs? What's the book before that one? Psalms. Say it. Psalms, the book of Psalms. That's also an incredible book. And I want you to follow me here. In Psalms, it teaches us how to get along with God. In Proverbs, it teaches us how to get along with each other. In Psalms, it teaches us how to get alone with God. 
In Proverbs, it teaches us how to stand on our feet and walk through life. In, in, in Psalms, it teaches us to praise God in private. In Proverbs, it teaches us how to take our relationship with God into the public arena. And to do that, to do that, friends, we need wisdom. Say wisdom. Can't do that without wisdom. Got it? Let's read on. And then he says, and discipline. Your Bibles might say instruction. And what this does, this suggests moral and intellectual discipline. It often means, again, here we go, the learning of wisdom. Got it? Then he says, for understanding words of insight. Say insight. In other words, discernment. The ability to read between the lines and make correct distinctions. The power to distinguish right from wrong, truth from its counterfeit. Verse 3, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. Wisdom, listen now, gives us the ability to live moral lives. Discern the right course of action. And also to treat others according to what they deserve. So what he's saying here is this, righteousness, justice, and integrity. That's what he's saying, righteousness, justice, and integrity. Now, I want you to notice the emphasis for different groups. He says the simple, say the simple. Look look at verse 4. For giving prudence, and by the way, the word prudence is the ability to make good choices, common sense which is lacking in today's culture, <laughs> right? It's lacking in today's culture, common sense. You know, you're like, duh, come on, guys, get it, right? People, it's like, where are you, right? So he says, for giving prudence, in other words, the ability to make good choices, common sense, to the simple. That word simple means to the naive, those who are naive, those who don't have uh, the life experience of someone who's older, it is, a very, it is very easy for them, in other words, to be led to the evil. They are easily influenced by others. They, they, they need wisdom. That's what Solomon's saying. They need wisdom. These simple people, naive people, need wisdom. Wisdom helps them to use common sense. It makes the simple-minded wise. Are you guys with me? I love the way the message renders it. It, it says to teach the inexperienced the ropes. Teach them the ropes. Say the simple. Notice the young. The young. He says knowledge and discretion to the young. The young need both knowledge and discretion. They need to to, to season their minds with godly wisdom so that they can get a grasp on the reality of life and make good sound decisions. Good sound decisions. Say good sound decisions. It's the ability to chart one's own course. It's, it's, it's using discretion. I'm amazed at some of the young folks who are just not making good decisions. Dumb decisions, to be honest. They need wisdom. So he says the simple, the young. Notice he says the wise. The wise. Verse 5, look at verse 5. Let the wise listen and what? Say it. Add, let, I love that. Let the wise listen and add to their what? Learning. And let the discerning get guidance. 
hey, naive and young people aren't the only ones that benefit from this book. Wise people also pay attention to the things in this book as well. The wise, the mature ones, right? Hey, hey, even the wise need to get wisdom. Even the wise need to mature. Even the wise need to grow more and learn more, right? You say, say amen. We should never stop learning. We should never stop growing in godly wisdom. Never. Are you guys with me? There's always a thing or two for the wise to learn, for the experience to learn. And you see, this book will not only make the foolish and the bad wise and good, but also make the wise and good wise and better, wiser and better so that they're able to steer the course, their course, excuse me, rightly. Look at the text. Look at the text. And let the discerning get guidance. I want you to write this down, chapter 9, verse 9 of this book. Chapter 9, verse 9. It says, instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. Add to his learning. You guys ready for the lesson? Here we go. Never stop learning. Never stop learning. Never stop learning. Are you guys with me? Never. And by the way, if you stop learning... Then you stop growing. If you stop growing, then you stop living. Yeah? You ever notice wise people? I know a lot of them. Wise people, they never feel like they've arrived. Right? Like they, they've attained it all. They never stop growing. They never stop learning. They're always finding ways to learn more and more and more. And, and when, I, when I meet wise, wise Christians, they continue to learn the Word of God. They may have read it a thousand times, but they continue to read and read and read to learn and learn and learn so they can grow and grow and grow and get wiser, wiser, and wiser, right? They don't feel like, oh, you know what? I read the Bible through, so I know everything. No. Never stop learning. And I want to tell you, if you continue to grow, you and I, if we continue to grow in godly wisdom, you and I, we will recognize the wise, we will recognize the fool, we'll recognize the enemy, we'll recognize the true friend, we'll recognize the sluggard. We will live skillfully. Are you with me? And it's God's heart, God's desire that you and I, as his children, live life skillfully. That we're wise, discerning, right? Are you guys with me? Number six, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the who? The wise. The wise. What this verse does, verse six, is it counts the number of ways in which the wise person will increase his or her learning and skill. It will help him or her understand what? Proverbs? Parables? Sayings and riddles. Sayings that, that which have hidden meanings that God will reveal to that person. Amen? So that's the purpose. Number two is a priority. Say that. The priority. Look at verse 7a, the first part of verse 7. The fear, and you, you got to underline this, highlight this, circle this. The fear of the Lord, the who? is a what? 
beginning of knowledge. And this statement is amplified in chapter 9, verse 10. Chapter 9, verse 10 of Proverbs where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is the priority, friends. This is it. And the controlling principle of Proverbs. Here is where it all begins. Solomon begins where we ought to begin. Now, I want us to, to focus first on the word beginning. Say beginning. The word beginning has three meanings. First of all, that which is first in priorities. Beginning, first in priorities. In other words, the most important part or foundation. Got it? Secondly, it could mean the central truth of something. Not just priorities, but also the central truth of something. And thirdly, the ultimate goal of something. So, here, here it is, friends. First in priority, the central truth, the ultimate goal. Here it is, the fear of the Lord. That's it. The priority, the central truth, and the ultimate goal is what? The fear of the, the Lord. And by the way, there are at least 18 references to the fear of the Lord in this book. It's mentioned 50 times in the Bible altogether. So this begs the question, what does the fear of the Lord mean? Well, first let me tell you what it doesn't mean, okay? It doesn't mean to be scared and terrified and fearful of God. Okay, like he's just big killjoy in heaven ready to zap us, and, okay? So what does it mean? The fear of the Lord, and most of you guys know this, the fear of the Lord means what? It means respect, to respect, to revere. It means reverence. Got it? The two Hebrew wording of fear of the Lord are two words, Yarat Yahweh. Say Yarat Yahweh. That means fear of the Lord or reverence of the Lord. So when the Hebrews say Yarat Yahweh, they're saying fear of the Lord or the fear of the Lord. But it's not just, and I want you to understand here, it's not just mere respect or reverence. It's more than that. It also, it's also the realization that God is a lot bigger than you and that he does what he wants to do because he's who? God. It's understanding that he's God and you're not. It's acknowledging and respecting his power to create, to control, to discipline, and to destroy. It includes a respect for his authority. Say authority. It means that you believe what he says is true and that you order your life accordingly. You honor him. You obey him. You acknowledge him for who he is. Are you guys with me? Listen, when we truly fear the Lord, we will recognize that he's the creator and we are the creatures. He's the master and we are the servants. He's the father and we are the children. You see, this attitude, what it will do, this attitude, fear of the Lord, will manifest itself in our having a respect for God and his word and in our having a desire to do what he tells us to do in his word. That's reverence. That's fear. When God says do something, you do it through his word. Stay with me here now. To fear him is a wholesome and appropriate reaction to his supremacy and holiness. 
Fearing him is born out of a knowledge of how infinitely powerful, majestic, and full of goodness God is. Isn't he? Get this, before one can grow in the Lord, before one can acquire wisdom, he or she must first, listen now, must first learn to what? Fear God. Fear God. If you have not stood in the presence of God, if you have not feared him, friends, then you have not stood in the presence of God. Solomon's point is that this, the fear of the Lord, this respect, this reverence, this acknowledgement, honoring, obedience to the Lord is the very beginning, the starting point. It's the, the starting point, the, the starting gate of knowledge and wisdom. This is where it all begins. This is where it all starts. This is where we begin. This is where we proceed. We, we, we can't, listen now, bypass this. We can't. We can't jump over it and expect to have knowledge and wisdom. Learning principles and, and learning the Proverbs, friends, by themselves are not going to benefit us unless you and I fear the Lord. Say, fear the Lord. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Here we go. Fear the Lord. Say, fear the Lord. In other words, live with the utmost respect, utmost reverence for the Lord. That you and I who call ourselves followers of Christ, that we would live in obedience to Him, that you and I would honor Him, that you and I would walk and live by His Word. And when you do that, when we do that, it will show in our lives and people will see that you and I fear God, that we love Him, that we obey Him, that you and I live for Him. Can I get amen? You receive, say amen. I want you to get this. I want you to follow me here. The fear of the Lord will do two things for you. This is not an exhausted list here. I'm going to give you two. Two things for you. First of all, just write it down. It will keep you from evil. Fearing God will keep you from evil. Is that a good thing? It's a good thing. When you fear God, it will keep you from evil. Prove it, I will. Chapter 16, verse 6b of Proverbs. Chapter 16, verse 6b of Proverbs says, By the fear of the Lord, love this, one departs from evil. Did you get that? I'm going to read that again. By the fear of the Lord. As you reverence, respect, honor, obey him, acknowledge who he is, one departs from evil. Is that awesome? What keeps a person from doing certain things? The fear of the Lord. Chapter 8, verse 13 of Proverbs. Chapter 8, verse 13. To fear the Lord is to, listen now, hate evil. Hate it. Evil. Because God hates it. This is God's word, right? Hate evil. And what comes to mind is Joseph. And you know the story. His brothers sell him to the Midianites, right? And he's brought down as a slave uh, to Egypt where he finds himself as a servant in Potiphar's house. Now, now Joseph was, it, the, the scriptures say Joseph was well-built and he, he was handsome. And Potiphar's wife took notice of him. In other words, she had the hots for him. She looked at him and says, oh, he muy caliente. Yeah, Okay. Right, And one day she comes on to Joseph and she says, come to bed with me. Straight up, straight up, no shame. Okay, come to bed with me. 
And Joseph responds, I love the way he responded. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? You see, it was a fear of the Lord that kept Joseph from doing something immoral. Yeah? If you're safe, say amen. When you fear God, when you fear the Lord, you hate sin. You hate evil. When you fear God, when you fear God, listen now, when you fear God, you desire not to sin against him. Now, we do sin. We do fall short. But there's a desire. I don't, why did I do that? There's a deep conviction. And you do your best to not sin against him. So when you fear God, it will keep you from evil. The second thing the fear of the Lord will do is it, it will increase the quality of your life. It will increase, write that down, it will increase the quality of your life. It will not only keep you from evil, but it will also increase the quality of your life. I want you to write this down, okay? It will increase the quality of your life. Write this down, chapter 14, verse 27 of Proverbs. Chapter 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. It's a fountain of life. Listen, fearing the Lord brings up, brings up life. What it does, it brings up life to a higher level, friends. There's more joy. There's more peace. There's more strength. There's more excitement. Yeah? You see, the fear of the Lord includes not only a correct way of thinking about who he is, friends, but also a correct relationship with him that results in effective, fruitful, exciting living. So when we fear the Lord, then, it increases the quality of our life, right? And I would, be, I would say this, that when you see a believer who's just filled with joy and peace, you know, and they're just filled with excitement and strength, you're saying, wow, that's one person who fears the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Oswald Chambers said this, and I love this. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas, if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Got it? The purpose, priority. Number three is the problem. The problem, write that down. We're gonna look at verse 7b as we wrap this up. Because the second part of this verse, verse 7, reveals a barrier to knowledge and the wisdom of God. It's a refusal to be taught. You guys got it? That's the problem. That's the problem. Verse 7b. But fools, say fools. We're going to talk a lot about fools down the line. Are you guys with me? But fools despise wisdom. They despise it. And what? Discipline. Got it? The message says it like this. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. The word fool in the text means thick-skulled, stubborn, unwilling to listen to instruction, 
It means one who is reprehensibly ignorant, undiscerning, unteachable. Do you get that? Unteachable. Someone who refuses to, listen now, to take in knowledge. You know what it means? A fool here? A know-it-all. Okay, don't look at them this morning. A know-it-all. A know-it-all. Okay, a know-it-all who has an opinion about everything but is unwilling to learn anything new. Huh? That's a fool. They're filled with pride. Because they're filled with pride, friends, okay, and because of their pride, they are hostile, they are aggressive, quarrelsome. That's the definition of a biblical fool. Huh? And we'll learn down the line that a fool says in his heart, there is what? No God, or no God. Are you guys with me? And that's the problem. Solomon's saying these guys don't want to learn instruction. So, you ready for the lesson? And we're going to wrap this up. You ready for the lesson? Be teachable. Say that. Be teachable. Be teachable. Don't, don't be a know-it-all. Okay? Don't, don't be a know-it-all. Be one who wants to know more. Be one who wants to learn more. Right? Don't be a know-it-all. And by the way, you cease to think when you think you know it all. And... Unless your name is God, unless your name is God, stop acting like you know everything. Are you guys with me? So be teachable. Be teachable. I don't like it when people say, ah, I don't want to listen to that. I've, I've already heard it. That's being unteachable. Some of you heard verses time and time again. It's, oh, here we go again. That's being unteachable. You can always learn something new. In God's word. Amen? Got it? Be teachable. And I want to close with this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I wrote this down. This is, what, this, is, this is what I want to say. Living wisely is knowing that I don't know it all, and that there is more for me to learn. Amen? It all begins with the fear of the Praise him, he is worthy. Let's all stand, amen.